You're listening to the Rise Parenting Podcast, a resource for parents before kids, during pregnancy, and through the elementary years. I'm your host, Rachel Rubenstein. In today's episode, I chat with Mandy Didion, mother of three and surrogate. Mandy shares her desire to support families through surrogacy and the experience through the IVF process, pregnancy, and birth, and how the surrogacy experience differed from her pregnancies and labors with her own children. I so appreciated Mandy's vulnerability in this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So I'm Mandy Didion. Um, I live in Southern California with my husband, Kyle, and we have three children together. I'm super passionate about health and um, really took on this interest about helping other families um, and specifically helping other mamas and families um, have their own children in a very unique way with surrogacy. And so I know we're going to be touching on that today, but I, I just loved the experience and so I'm happy to share more about it. Yeah, so I'm so excited to have this conversation and really grateful that you're willing to take this time and share your experience because I know that can be vulnerable. And so I'm interested, what drew you initially to surrogacy? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my husband and I did not have any challenges um, getting pregnant. We got pregnant very easily and quickly. I had my first two children back to back. They were 16 months apart wow. and neither, neither one of them were planned. And, um, during that time I was seeing, you know, close girlfriends and family members struggling with infertility and having miscarriages. And so it really just broke my heart. And so I started, um, I started just thinking like, wow, like, I wonder if there's a way of, you know, to, that I could help or something like that. And it was around that time that I had seen, um, a friend of mine from high school, she was posting on social media about a girlfriend of hers that was starting this surrogacy journey. And so I was initially very intrigued. And so I got connected with this friend of hers and asked a lot of questions, did a lot of research. And I knew it wasn't something I was going to be diving into at that moment because we still wanted another child for our own family. Um, and yeah, I really just took that time to just to learn and to educate myself about the process and what all goes into that. And so this was over, you know, a good four, five year span. And so my husband and I um, did a lot of talking about it and um, we prayed about it for a long time. And then during my last pregnancy with my daughter, um, I had the same OBGYN during all three pregnancies and I had very, very healthy textbook pregnancies. And my OB came in at the end of the pregnancy and kind of just said, um, you know, I think you would be a great um, candidate for surrogacy. Your body handles pregnancy well, and um, I think it would be such a beautiful thing to be able to help another family. And so I felt like that was my answer. I had been, you know, praying about it for such a long time. And I just felt like if my doctor is suggesting that I pursue this avenue, I mean, why not? And so that's really kind of what like sealed the deal for me that I was supposed to pursue this opportunity. And so for you, what were the big questions that you needed to get comfortable with for your family before pursuing that journey? Um, like I said, I had done a lot of research. So I had joined a couple different Facebook groups during, you know, those that couple year span um, just to educate myself on the terminology, the process, what it would look like. And so the first thing that I noticed was before you jump into surrogacy, you really need to be done with your own family. Um, naturally, there's complications that can happen with pregnancy. And yet 
um, with in vitro fertilization, there are more complications that can arise. And so um, we, we needed to make sure that we were done having our own children first. And so once we'd made that decision, I really didn't have many questions. Um, I simply just, it was timing for us. And so once I felt the timing was right, then that's really when I just contacted an agency and moved forward with the process. And can you give us a bit of an overview of the process? Sure. So I, you can either, there's two really different avenues that you can pursue surrogacy. One is through um, traditional surrogacy. And so that's where the surrogate would be using her own egg. Um, that's traditional. And then there's gestational surrogacy where the surrogate is not related to the child that she's carrying whatsoever. And that is what I did, uh, gestational surrogacy. And so that's what's most common here in the United States today. And so either one of those processes, um, kind of what happens is, again, there's a few different avenues. You can go traditional, independent. So that's where you maybe are caring for somebody and the, the couple does not want to have an agency, maybe due to finances or just wanting that more personal touch with the surrogate that they're, that they're um, utilizing or you can go through an agency. And so I chose to go the agency route. I just felt more comfortable being a newbie, diving into it. I wanted to make sure that everything was, you know, legally sound. I was protected. And so I did pursue um, an agency that I had had a few recommendations from. Once you show express interest, you reach out to the agency, they do an initial phone interview. And I can really only explain about my experience with going through an agency. I'm not really sure the traditional route or the independent route. But anyway, so you first do your initial phone interview. Um, and then the next step would be a home visit from somebody from the agency just to kind of, you know, meet with you in person, get to know you a little bit more. And then um, the next step from there would be to have a psychological screening. So basically what that, what that looks like and what happened for myself was my husband and I met with a psychologist and she asked us, um, and we were face to face with her, she asked us a series of questions um, about family history, background, things like that. And then I also needed to um, complete an online questionnaire basically to assess whether or not I would be a good fit for the process. And mm -hmm. so once you've completed that, then the psychologist decides whether or not you'll be accepted into the program. And after you're accepted into the program, then you complete um, an online profile. And so that's where you upload, you know, pictures of yourself and your family, and then also information about who you are, your likes, your dislikes, just so that way the person who is taking a look at your profile can kind of see like what you're about, you know, if you're a religious person or if you, you know, what your hobbies are, what your likes are. And then, then from there, your profile is active. And what my agency does is they try to make the best match possible based on personality, um, I would say. And so they don't, there's not like a profile database where someone comes and just scrolls through profiles and clicks on pictures. They really try to make the match um, very personal. And so after your profile is live, they send it over to the intended parents. Then you're able to see, you know, okay, if they, if they decide they want to move forward, you see their profile, they see yours. 
then there's an initial um, video meet, like you would meet virtually. I'm like, there's so much. And then after yeah. the video chat, um, you can get to decide whether or not you feel like it would be a good match or not. And then once you both agree and say, yes, I would like to move forward, then you're um, officially matched with that couple. Then there's a medical screening, um, then there's a legal process, and then would come the transfer. And prior to transfer, there's you know a whole protocol that involves different medications and hormones and so there, there's quite a bit that goes into it. Yeah, it's extensive. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll stop there and then let you ask any other questions that you have about that. Yeah, I'm wondering, is the process from there, is it IVF or IUI? It is, in, um, it is IVF, yes. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're having to do those hormones before the um, transfer. Right. So yeah. there, there are a series of medications that have happen, you know, because obviously you're, you're having your body do something unnaturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're having to induce that pregnancy. And so um, birth control to regulate your cycle. And then there's some other medications to um, thicken the lining. So that way, when they do the do the transfer, it has the best opportunity to take. And then um, there are um, hormone injections, progesterone, and You'd usually, you, you do that for, depending on the clinic, um, for anywhere from 10 to 14 weeks. And you'll, you usually start the injections about, I think, five days prior to the transfer. Mm-hmm. How was that experience for you? Because your previous births or pregnancies happened so differently to have such a medicalized in- inception. I mean, definitely unique Um, because I knew what I was getting myself into, um, you know, at the start of it, I wasn't shocked. Um, It it was definitely something that I had to wrap my head around knowing that there was going to be a lot more involved in making this pregnancy happen. And yet it was, I wouldn't say that it was easy because injecting yourself every day is not Mm -hmm. something that anyone looks forward to. But I just knew that that it had to be done. And so just thinking of the couple that I was caring for and the process that, you know, the journey, years and years of infertility that they had already been through, it, it was worth it for me. So I, I mean, I would do it all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. That's so sweet to really just hold them in mind through that process. Um, but you're also, within your own experience, going through the treatment, and then pregnancy. So how was being pregnant and, you know, all the symptoms and sensations that come along with that with, you know, a different type of bonding going on, right? Because in the end, you know that you're not going to be birthing your own child. What was that experience like? So the, as far as the pregnancy itself, what went it was very similar to my own. I would say the the marked differences were in the beginning when I was on hormones, I was very a lot more emotional because I had a lot of hormones, you know, running through my body. And so my husband and I would laugh because there would be like a commercial that would come on the radio or something. And I would just start crying for no reason, but like laughing at the same time because I know it's absolutely ridiculous that I'm crying and 
Um, so that was unique that I had never experienced that before, but it was just, it was something that I could laugh at because I knew, I mean, this is crazy. This is not myself. (laughs) Um, but aside from that, I always had, you know, some morning sickness, um, during my, my first three pregnancies with my own children. And so it, it was the same way with him, with this pregnancy. So that, that was you know, morning sickness is not never fun for anybody, but it was something that I was familiar with. I knew, you know, certain tips and tricks that helped me to get through it, you know, and that usually lasted about six weeks on that first trimester. Um, But after that, really, it was smooth sailing. I mean, for the most part, my pregnancy was very smooth. And then leading up to the delivery, it's really hard to explain because a lot of people, when they ask questions about surrogacy, they wonder like, well, what about the bonding and what about, you know, at the end, giving the baby away or something like that? And I mean, that's a very common question. And the thing that I can say about that is it's, oh my gosh, a thousand percent different than carrying your own child. There's, there's just, I mean, there's just something that's so different about it. Like for example, I always use this as an example, cause I feel like it explains it well, but when I would be at a doctor's appointment and I would hear the baby's heartbeat, or maybe we'd be at a an ultrasound or something, it wasn't like my heart was just like leaping out of my chest, so excited, staring at my baby in my belly. It's very similar to being at an appointment with a girlfriend and seeing her ultrasound or hearing her baby's heartbeat. That's the best way that I can explain it because there isn't an emotional attachment, even though the ultrasound that I'm looking at is of the child that's in my body. I know that he's not mine. He never was. And so I was really able to make that distinction right away. And that was one of the things that I prayed about, like that if I was supposed to pursue this, that I would be emotionally um, and mentally prepared for it the best that I could be. So I felt, I felt that part went really well. That's great. And you have three young children. Remind me their ages. Yeah. So they're nine, eight, and five. Nine, eight, and five. So for them, what was that experience like of seeing mom's belly grow? And then did they meet the baby? Was there any confusion or emotional reaction from them? Yeah. So my kids knew about the process. We really kind of kept them involved all along. So we, we started, you know, casually making hints, like what would, you know, what would you guys think if mom carried a baby for another mama who can't have babies on her own. And um, so we kind of just started talking about it casually like that Mm -hmm. um, years ago. And then obviously they, they were able to meet my couple. So they met them over FaceTime video and then um, in person as well. And so they knew that, that I, you know, was carrying this baby for another family. And so they just thought it was so cool that their mom helped other moms and dads have their own children. So yes, they, they did meet the baby. They came to the hospital after I delivered and met him. And, you know, we took pictures and stuff and the mom still sends me pictures to this day and videos mm-hmm. of him walking and all sorts of Aww. stuff. So I've tried to keep my kids in the loop as much as possible. So that way they can see, you know, the bigger picture. That's, that's really sweet that you are able to include them and normalize that you know, something that is not a typical experience in every family, but to really create normalcy around that because it's unfortunate, but infertility is not talked about nearly enough for how common 
it's experienced. Right, right. So when it came to the birth, were you the one choosing how you were going to birth or was that the couple's decision? So the birth is completely up to me. So the couple, they really don't have any say. Prior to the delivery experience, my agency, um, they had me fill out a birth plan with a series of questions. And a lot of those questions included, you know, do you want your couple in the room? Um, Who do you want to cut the cord? Who do you want to hold the baby first? Even though in my mind, those those questions should be posed to the parents. And yet, because it's happening to my body, they really gave me the choice. But I could never, I could never even like think of doing it differently than we did. And so the delivery experience was, I wanted the parents to have, specifically the mom, to be able to um, be as involved as possible and for her to feel like it was happening to her almost. And so we even went as far as like, as I'm delivering, I wanted her sitting on the bed next to me so that immediately once he was delivered, um, umbilical cord still attached to the placenta, like he was on her. Mm -hmm. So immediately after he was delivered, um, he was put on his mom, not on me. That's so sweet. That's great. And so through this process, now looking back, what was the hardest part for you? Was there anything that surprised you? Well, actually, so when I was about, gosh, I think I was 15 weeks, um, I had some spontaneous bleeding, which is really common with IVF pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, ca- it's called subchorionic hematoma. And that's basically where um, it has nothing to do with the baby, doesn't, doesn't affect the baby whatsoever, but there are little pockets of blood that can form either your body absorbs them or it releases them. And it was seen early on in an ultrasound and I wasn't aware about it. They didn't, they didn't really make a big deal because it was such a common thing. And so it wasn't until I was, you know, about 15 weeks pregnant that I woke up in the middle of the night um, with some spontaneous bleeding. And so that by far was the most shocking experience of the pregnancy because pregnancy and bleeding do not go together, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it can be very scary. I never experienced that with any of my own children. And so, and it was, it lasted about a day, but because I did not know what was happening, you know, I immediately um, went down to um, labor and delivery at the hospital that I was delivering at and they admitted me and, you know, confirmed that all was well with the baby. He was good. It wasn't affecting him whatsoever, that it was just something that could possibly come up. And so I I wasn't prepared for that. I, I think I wish I would have known at the ultrasound when they, when they spotted it. So that way I could have at least been, you know, aware that this could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the rest of the pregnancy went, I would say that was just the biggest shock for me. And I think for the parents as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Like you said, those two things don't really go together No, <laughs> or, or you don't want them to. So you decided to pump for the baby in the weeks postpartum, correct? What was that like? Yes. So I actually pumped for them for six months. And so, yeah, so it was a full-time job. It was something that we had discussed prior to even, um, you know, the transfer we, and they, they were always very flexible and they said, you know, if, if you want to, we are so, you know, willing, we would be so grateful if you did. 
um, but there's no pressure and there's not there's no contract or anything like that it's simply if you want to that's great um, if not that's no big deal too they already had a backup plan and yet I knew because I had breastfed and pumped for all three of my children it was something that I wanted to do because I know nutritionally it's it's so great for the baby and it really helps the moms get back to, to where they need to be and, and everything internally to, um, you know, to kind of go back down to size. And um, so it was something that I wanted to do. And so I did. And I was, I was very um, pleasantly surprised at how my body responded because, you know, I had been used to breastfeeding as soon as he was born within, you know, an hour or so I was pumping for them colostrum and, you know, trying to do the best that I could and get them the most that I could in the hospital. Um, and so, yeah, we um, stopped, I stopped pumping at six months. That was my personal goal. And they were so grateful. I actually just sent off my last shipment of milk a couple days ago. Oh, and wow. yeah, so my supply was really, really good. He is 10 months now and he'll have enough milk to last him well over a year. So I'm really, really proud of that. It was, That's it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of work. That's amazing. That is a big yeah. personal accomplishment as yes. well. Yes. <laughs> so did that help your postpartum healing? And what was that experience like, you know, given that you didn't have the added hormone of a baby on you breastfeeding, but you had your little ones there and that oxytocin rush. So how was your postpartum healing? Physically, my body, um, I felt like it handled it so well. Like I said, I immediately started pumping. And so those after delivery, um, you know, contractions of getting your uterus back down to size was something I had forgotten about so that I was like, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot the pain of that, you know, that's stimulated by the pumping or, you know, mm -hmm. normally would be by breastfeeding. Um, so that was a little bit tough because that went on for probably almost the first week. And I would say that, um, physically I did end up tearing. And so, um, that recovery was harder because with my last two, my previous two births, I didn't have that. Um, so that was just a little bit more of a challenge, but as far as, um, you know, the postpartum emotionally and mentally, for the most part, I feel like it went really well. You know, the day after I came home from the hospital, I woke up and I was emotional and it was not over the baby. It was simply because I knew I wasn't going to be seeing them, them again. Mm -hmm. Um, we had, you know, developed a relationship throughout the entire process. And I left the hospital the day before they did. And so they stayed at an Airbnb very close to the hospital and I live about an hour away from there. And so the day that they were leaving from the hospital, you know, they were packing up and getting all their stuff ready and um, you know, they wanted to get home to get settled and be seen by their pediatrician, et cetera. And so I think the emotional part for me was just knowing that the journey had come to an end and I wasn't sure, I knew I would see them again. And we text like, you know, at that point it was almost daily, but I wasn't sure when I was actually going to see them again. So I think that was the, the hardest part of like the postpartum period for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I tore as well during my birth and that was the hardest part of my healing as well. Yes. It's hard. It's so, it's so much, it is so much different because I've had two that I did and two that I did not. Mm -hmm. And the, the healing process when 
there aren't stitches is way easier. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, I hopefully next time, if you have more children that you won't have to experience that. Fingers crossed for yeah. sure. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. So do you think it's an, an experience that you'll want to repeat? Actually, yes. Um, I'm in the process of pursuing my second um, surrogacy journey. Um, I've already been, been matched with a new couple, and I have a medical screening appointment next week, uh, next week with their IVF clinic. So, yeah, I, um, I'm 33. I'll be 34 later this year, and I just I loved the process so much. There was so much about it that um, that I learned about myself and, you know, that I'm, that I'm willing to do it again and help another family. And with that being said, considering my age and, you know, my body and everything, I would like to complete the, pre the second pregnancy, second surrogacy, um, as soon as possible. So that way my body doesn't forget how to do it all over again. Cause there was about five years between my, my own third pregnancy and then the first surrogacy. So mm -hmm. Yes, I'm definitely willing to to pursue it again. That's so exciting. And, you know, such a gift. Are there differences now um, in terms of the process with COVID? You know, I actually, it's funny because I actually just scheduled my medical screening appointment today. And so as I was talking with a coordinator um, via email, um, you cannot bring anybody with you. So you can't bring a, you know, a partner or any any children, not that I would, but so I can't bring my spouse to the appointment and I just have to keep, you know, keep face, like a face covering a mask on mm -hmm. during the appointment. So, um, which I assumed would happen, you know, with everything that's going on right now, just taking that extra precaution. But as far as, as far as I know, that's the only thing that is going to be different mm -hmm. for now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, best of luck on that journey. And I just have one more question and ending if you're open. Yeah, sure. How do you define motherhood? Oh my gosh. All encompassing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, becoming a mom was, it was one of the biggest blessings of my life. Like I had mentioned earlier, we did not plan our first two children. It was, it came as a surprise when I first found out I was pregnant. And what a lot of women I think can relate that they are scared and there's a lot of un unknowns and unexpected. And I was in graduate school at the time. And so looking back, I thought it wasn't the right time. And I was, you know, nervous, but excited as well. Um, and once my daughter was born, she'll be 10 this year. But once my daughter was born, I cannot, I could not even think of my life any different. And it's, yeah, it's been one of one of my greatest blessings in life is to be able to be a mother to all three of my children. And so I'm just so grateful, which is, you know, part of the reason that I love that being a surrogate has offered this blessing to other women um, in a non-traditional way. And yet um, I know, I know it's still as fulfilling and it's such a gift for them. Yeah, it really is. Well, Thank you so much for that offering to other mamas and for taking this time with me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.